Guelph Griffins, manager of football operations and quarterbacks coach. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. This is now episode two of the Life After Football series. And joining us today, we have perhaps the least biased guest Dakota and I could possibly get because he is both a former Western Mustang and a current member of the Guelph Griffins. Mr. Stevenson Bone, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing, man? Doing well, guys. I'm uh, surviving during this crazy time, but uh, things are good. Thanks for asking. Glad to be here. And the family and everything, everyone's everyone's been safe, everyone's been healthy? They've been great. You know, they've uh, all kind of, they live actually in the United States right now, um, in Florida. So uh, it's been a little bit different, but I haven't been able to go down and see them, but uh, they're good. And uh, my sister's training and everything, still kind of going after her dreams in that pole vaulting world. But yeah, it's, uh, family's great. Thanks for asking, Zach. And so you mentioned your sister with the pole vaulting, you're obviously part of a a massive Western legacy family in terms of the athletics, not only your sister being a part of the track and field program there, but of course your father, I believe it was a two-time Vanier champ and then the Heck Crichton. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, so despite seeing that beautiful red and gold on your chest right there, clearly the Mustang purple and silver, I think it is runs through your veins deep. Um, what, what was that like getting to rep, uh, Western knowing the connection with your family. It wasn't that big of a change coming to the the Griffins, the coaching staff. I knew a lot of them from previous, you know, camps and things like that. So there wasn't that big of a, a switch. I think it was more for my family. You know, they all went to Western, my mom included. And uh, so that was probably different from them. It's kind of the only other university that the Bones have ever been affiliated with other than Western. So that was probably a little bit more of a switch for them when they you know saw pictures of the game and things like that but uh, for me it wasn't that that big of a switch you know football is football kind of where you go and um, you know I really enjoyed coach Jan hiring me it was uh, it was great to kind of come and, and you know obviously as a player we will dive into it I always had tremendous respect for Guelph so I knew you know their their program history and you know how successful they had even been when I was a player so uh, it wasn't that hard of a switch and so you say football is football, and football has taken you from, if I was correct, where is it, Darien, Connecticut, into into the CJEP, to Western, coaching with some of the high school programs there, with the London Junior Mustangs, yeah. some time with the CFL, doing some work with uh, the Argos and the CFL as as an organization. Now with the Guelph Griffins, uh, a, a whole lot there in, in your story. Could we just get like a, a the the synopsis yeah. of, of that journey there's obviously a lot of parts there yeah it's interesting in high school i was the youngest kid and great and uh never grew and was, was tiny and kind of small and slight and actually never got to play never got to actually throw a pass in high school football if that's can if you can believe that so i was the backup quarterback we ran the triple option and the, the guy went to you know a division one lacrosse scholarship who played ahead of me and that was kind of the same that's kind of why i went to sejap i went to john abbott college where our current head coach Ryan Shan was, and then, um, you know, it kind of, our, their coaching staff got let go at the end of the year, ended up going to Vanier College, where we had, you know, Hugo Richard and I were kind of together, the Laval quarterback, as rookies, and so wow. we, we lived in the same room, and, you know, the coaches were kind of just picking between us, kind of week in and week out, who was going to play, all that kind of stuff, and then I walked on at Western, you know, uh, my dad went there, it was kind of before the OUA had that 110 rule where we had 130 guys in camp and I was the last quarterback, you know, on the, uh, on the team, you know, obviously it was tough the first day they do all the, 
the quarterbacks kind of taking reps in the walkthrough. And I think eight, seven or eight of them took reps and I didn't. And it was the only one that didn't. And so I was, oh man, this is going to be quite the, the climb. And then, you know, by my third year, I ended up kind of Will got hurt and I kind of won the backup job and I got to play. And that was my first start ever in football. So, you know, in, in terms of uh, kind of loving the sport and then, you know, being able to kind of do it in university and then most people get to play in high school. I wasn't afforded that opportunity. So, you know, I tried to make the most of it when I was in university and ended up kind of working out. And then you guys know the rest kind of. And then, um, yeah, I got to work for the CFL and did a little bit of um, summer internships with the Toronto Argonauts and then was with them the CFL for a year able to work at a great cup and then after that I kind of wanted to get back into that coaching realm and uh and Guelph and coach uh, Shane hired me and it's been uh, been here for over a year now which has been excellent and obviously you've had one of as good a quarterback coach for yourself as anyone can have in your father but you, you mentioned getting to spend time with, with Hugo Richard when you're at Vanier then you you mentioned Finch's name as well and yeah. if I have my timelines correct you also would have spent time with with merchant as well right yeah so all three of those guys i know very well even hugo henderson who ended up being the montreal quarterback was with us mm. in there actually when i was in seja we had a joke that all four of the quarterbacks that were at vanny at the time ended up actually starting in the cis or new sports um mario uh, pareco was also started games from mcgill and concordia and was the fourth quarterback on the team at the time so yeah it, you know it was it was hugo is a great guy uh we would text each other um, kind of when and people don't know this about him but he's very um, you know he speaks you know English and French both very fluently you know his sister was a um, was the goaltender actually for the University of Wisconsin so in soccer so he's uh, he's a great guy and then Chris coming in kind of after Will had left also a great guy and he and I probably got along the best out of the a duo but we really support each other and and you know Chris I think the world of him and his family and so uh, it was always a great relationship between us two. Um, and just to to touch on it, because, I mean, you just spoke about it, and I, I didn't know this. I've known you for a couple years now. I didn't know that you actually didn't really start until until that one game. Um, what kind of pushed you to keep going? Because, I mean, anyone that's played football knows this, and anyone who hasn't probably doesn't. When you're not seeing, not getting that playing time, it can be, you know, tough to go in day out, day in, day out, watch film, you know do scout team practices and not never actually see the field like what kept you motivated to you know I really love this sport and I really want to keep going with it I just think I had um, a belief that um, this may be this may sound arrogant but I always thought that I was as good as or better than the guy that was ahead of me and I thought that at every level I thought that at high school I thought that in Sejap I thought that I was the best one and I realized that these were guys that I was playing you know with we're getting all-star nominations and getting you know conference rookie of the year and player of the year and so I thought man I'm not that far off it just ended up being kind of the way my career went where yeah Hugo Richard Will Finch and Chris Merchant I mean all of them uh, we play I played with and so yeah I mean I, I'm, I'm content with kind of how it went just because I know that the level that I did play at but it was tough to uh, to go to the answer your question it was it was tough because you want that glory of the game and you want to be in the games, but then you'd sit there and see other guys ended up getting that. And, and, you know, I was, I was always kind of um, wanted the team to do well, but um, personally, I love the sport. It was, uh, yeah, but you're right. It, it was definitely tough to kind of keep going. And there was definitely naysayers along the way, you know, Hey, listen, 
don't try out or, you know, leave if you don't play, you know, kind of pack it up. And I just always kind of had that self-belief and I, I still do. And I think that kind of what is what drives me, I think. And I know Dakota has like a similar story for himself and his football career and myself too, th- essentially three full years on scout team before I yeah. got a shot to dress with Guelph. And my my thought process, not to go too too much into my story, but was always that whenever I do get a chance to see the field, if I did on, on game day, yeah. I'd, I would have spent three years every single day playing against one of the top defenses in the province playing scout team offense going into each and every one of those practices. So I just, I had the confidence at least knowing that I've been getting beat up for three years by some pretty good guys week in, week out. So just knowing that if I get the shot, you know what, the transition won't be too difficult. So, uh, you know, shout out to all the scout guys there. Shout out to all the, anyone who's ever backed up, you know, those, the real heroes of the gridiron, right? Exactly. And you know, the guys that I, you know, I kind of probably alienated some of my teammates that I was playing against because I did take scout team so seriously. And actually, my first year, Coach McPhee, who's the defensive coordinator here at Guelph, was the defensive coordinator at Western just for one season when I was a rookie. So he and I, because I was the scout team, one of the scout team quarterbacks, had a good relationship. And I always took it very seriously. And that was Bo Landry, Pavel Kruba, some amazing players to kind of come through Western. Because that was the game. Like, that was the only way I was going to get better was going against the 2012-2013 defense that, you know, was, was good. So I always try to take that you know, very seriously during the week, um, even though I, I'm sure some of my teammates on, on defense weren't always too happy with me. You know, I did take it very seriously, but that's kind of how I view it now, even with our kids. You got to take it seriously because that's the only way that you're going to be able to develop and uh, and kind of get to that spot where you want to be. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's heard that term, like scout team warrior at some point, but I think, I think the starters who understood the real purpose of the scout team guys I always respected the players who took it seriously because you know you're you're not getting the shine of getting to 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 be on the field on Saturdays. So you're putting in your effort, you're making them better. So I I mean I've definitely had some of that flack in my days, and I've you know heard it said about other people. But ultimately, I think yeah the the, the real the real the real you know the players who understand the process of football and improving. I think respect that approach to it that you took. Exactly, and you got hit, which makes even that more impressive. <laughs> you know, I just kind of threw seven on seven, right? So, you know, don't touch the quarterback, kind of staying clear of him, where I'm sure you're taking the lumps. So I think it was a little bit easier, you know, playing quarterback in practice, most definitely. That was actually lumps. one of the, while we're on the topic, that was one of the, the weirdest adjustments in games I, I felt, is that when I was getting hit, that wasn't used to that. You know, also, like, the play continuing after their receiver catches the ball, because usually you just kind of walk back. Oh, that was a little weird having to kind of like walk with the team because usually we would just practice in the same spot. So I, I wasn't really used to that. Yeah, you're just waiting for the coach to come out with a new card, right? Exactly, exactly, yeah. All right, so let's get into the life after then. Sure. Um, take us through that journey. Uh, well, I was really fortunate to be able to kind of meet some great people, obviously playing um, at Western. It was um, Greg Dick was is actually this current CFO of the CFL, and I was able to kind of actually just go to the, the scouting combine as a, um, as an, uh, as kind of just a, to watch Jordan Beaulieu actually run. And when I was there, uh, Eric Noivo, who his brother Scott was a teammate of mine at John Abbott College in Sejep, said, "Hey, listen, we don't have any quarterbacks at the combine. Would you like to throw?" And I said, "Absolutely." So I kind of just got on a pair of shorts, the CFL shorts, and actually wore Harry McMaster's Western T-shirt went out there and actually threw at the combine and Greg kind of 
knew me through alumni events at Western and said, hey, you know, there's an opening in football ops at the CFL. You should apply for it. And I said, absolutely. You know, I, I knew I wanted to coach. And I, I did my master's at Western in coaching, actually, my, in my last year there. But, I, you know, the, obviously, the, to be able to work for the CFL right out of school, you say, yes, in downtown Toronto, I jumped on it. And I said, I'm totally in. It was for a year, and I kind of knew that I wanted to kind of transition back into that coaching realm. But it was fantastic. I mean, just the, the experience that you get um, just working with, you know, tremendous individuals. Kevin McDonald's a for, former um, Laurier quarterback. And he runs kind of the football operations side of the CFL. And uh, it's great to kind of – and Ryan Jansen played receiver at McMaster. So all those guys kind of played OUA football that are actually running the CFL football operations, which was really, really neat. And uh, they were always kind of j- jiving me about being a Western guy, and they were McMaster and Laurier and all the different OUA schools. But there is a cool fraternity kind of in the CFL, I- even today that they have um, that have played football at the university level. So that was just, that was an amazing experience. Got to work at a great cup, work with the officials, got to do the, you know, CFL command center and, and tweeting out rulings when uh, the referees challenges were happening. That was kind of interesting. You know, you, you'd log in on a computer and you'd see, you know, you'd be able to hear the referees in Regina talking to one another about a call and then in your other ear you'd hear the kind of the command center and what they were talking about and these guys were saying okay well uh, the call's going to stand I think I'm pretty sure it's that way <laughs> these guys are going, there's no chance it's going to stand <laughs> and trying to hear those battles back and forth in your head and then oh by the way put it into 140 <laughs> go so that was uh, kind of the, the CFL job but it was uh, it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it and then coach Shane I had, had a tremendous relationship with kind of over through coaching clinics and my dad knows his father they're kind of born the same year um and um yeah i I just kind of reached out and said you know congratulations on getting the guelph child you know i'd love i'd love to help out even in the capacity kind of still being in toronto and just coming out when i could and he just it kind of progressed from there and uh now i'm kind of here at guelph and and doing what i'm doing now you always hear the story in, in in so many sports of that the the people who truly excel in the realm of coaching might not have actually been the guys to have been the 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 all star player the the superstar on the field, but the guy who actually got to to watch a little bit of it. And I don't think that's a shot at anyone because obviously you know it's just the, it's the way the game works. Do you feel once again going back to whether it's learning from your dad or just being in those QB rooms with some of those you know top notch CIS uh, U sport quarterbacks that, that you already mentioned did that. And of course, just being at Western, I'm sure that film room as Dakota's talked about before really just um, puts an emphasis on learning the X's and O's. But do you, do you find that a lot of those experiences helped you um, in addition to your masters of coaching become the, the, the coach that you are today? Sure. I think that's kind of a great way to put it. You take pieces of people that you really liked and things that maybe you didn't like and, and kind of, would put in the back of your mind and say, okay, well, if I have that opportunity in the future, not knowing where that opportunity is going to be, I'll do it differently. You know, and that's kind of what the, the greats do. I think they take pieces from different people in their experience. You know, my father was a great technician of the quarterback position. He really knew everything about um, technique, um, you know, how to kind of, you know, your feet, everything like to a T. Right. And then you look at Coach Marshall, he, you know, in Dakota can attest to that. He sat in the film room. Dakota played receiver okay, at Western, but I bet you he knows a heck of a lot about O-line because Coach Marshall would be sitting there and we'd be going through offensive line with the whole team in one room. 
so you'd sit there at the front and that, you know, I was always trying to learn and, and be, a, you know, attentive in meetings and you'd learn a lot about the run game, different things like that, which, you know, maybe my father, you know, he, he, he knows about, but coach Marshall in terms of the run game is, is tremendous. So I, I learned a lot from him in terms of the X's and O's and then um, kind of transitioning from those two to now coach Shane leading the country in passing at Calgary and, and then Adam Sinagra, who also went to John Abbott college where, where in Sejep. So, you know, those guys really transitioned to, you know, to make this excellent kind of aerial attack and now trying to take that knowledge and just trying to use it when I go to Guelph. Um, you know, it's, it's great to learn from him in terms of what he thinks in the passing game, because I'll tell you that the way that they saw it and the way the Western saw it are completely different, you know, in terms of just read, scheme, feet, you name it. It's, it's a totally different language and uh, the way that they do things. And, and both are excellent. So now, you know, I've always kind of joked, I said, now I'm going to be able to kind of take the Western run game and then the Guelph passing game, you know, the Calgary passing game and kind of mix it together, hopefully in the future. But, um, but yeah, I'd say that you try to take pieces and, and Actually, I have to say, the best coach I ever had actually knew nothing about football. He was a choir teacher okay, when I was in high school. I'm not kidding. He, he built this program from scratch. Like, it was unbelievable. The kids he recruited in and would take from woodshop and all these different things. And, and he, he was new when I was in grade 9. And then by the time we were you know, in grade 12, they were competing at, like, Carnegie Hall in New York City. I mean, it was like – night and day and just I learned from him okay you gotta you know every day is just a small kind of battle you know how do you kind of stack those together because you if you sat there the first day and said okay in four years this is what the program is going to look like you'd be like yeah right there's no chance that's going to happen right so you know how he built each day individually and just small battles I think I've always kind of liked that attitude and kind of we'll, we'll always take that from him so sticking with, oh sorry, go, go, no, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna say sticking with, uh, w- with Guelph quickly, and yeah. I don't know, maybe this is a, a, a sensitive topic, but I'm curious as the quarterback coach, with first I want to know what your take is on Evan Hillock, just as a, a prospect, as a quarterback, the talent he's going to be, uh, you know, bringing to your alma mater. I'm sure in a certain way it's a win-win because on the one hand, I'm sure you would have loved to have him with yeah. your current team, but on the other hand, not too not too bad knowing he's gonna be at your, your former school. Um, but I just want to get your take from getting to work with him a bit because he was in Guelph for for some time working with the team, if I remember from our conversation. Just um, just your take on what he, uh, the, the type of player that you project him to be. Yeah, you know, I think Evan's a, an excellent young man, and he had a storied high school football career. You know, and I only got to work with him one practice. Hmm. Uh, it was only one indoor throwing session, and we just kind of got to meet. And we obviously met each other kind of on the recruiting. Um, kind of a trail. Um, I think he's a tremendous young man. I, I wish him the best at Western. You know, I, it's a very fun school to go to, as Dakota can attest to, and I'm, I'm sure he's told you many times. Um, but, you know, I, you know I, I'm really happy with the kids that we have now coming in. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with Atori uh, Cassati. I'm happy with Michael Warner from the Cambridge Lions, and I'm really happy with Ethan Chambers and Daniel Brown. So, you know, I think the talent level with that quarterback room at Guelph no, no disrespect to Evan. I think that it's, you know, it's, it's going to be excellent just because of the competition that's already there. Um, you know, I hope he has a great career at Western's a special place. Um, it's always going to be a special place. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy that he kind of comes into that quarterback, Western quarterback fraternity, but at the same time, I'm really happy with the kids that we, we recruited and um, I couldn't be happier to kind of be able to kind of see them when we finally do get back to football, who's going to be the one that kind of competes uh, and, and takes that job right away. And that even being said, there may be someone that plays the first year that doesn't end, end up playing year two, three, and four. It, it, kids develop at different rates. And I'm a prime example of that. I think that there's coach Marshall knows that too at Western where, you know, you can't judge a kid when he's 18, you have to wait till he's 20. I mean, you look at Antonio Valvano at Western, uh, if you had gone down the line and picked the last guy to ever start a game, you'd have picked him in his first year. And now he's tremendous. I mean, he's, he's the you know perfect fullback play, right, from him. And there's guys at Guelph that we coach too that, you know, Jared Beeksma didn't get much playing time you know, at the pre, in the previous regime. And now our coaching staff comes in and, and Coach Deke and uh, Coach Donovan Carter and Coach Joe Sardo, they sit there, they see that Jared's an excellent player, they play him. And now look at that, look at what he, you know, what he did last season. So I think that there's a lot of that. I, I don't know if you can really tell where a kid's going to end up, the difference between 18 and 20 and 21. So, yeah, to answer your question, I think um, bittersweet with Evan, but, you know, definitely wishing the, the best and, and really happy and content with who we do have uh, coming here to, to win a championship at Guelph. Well, it, it definitely should be interesting, I mean, especially since we have – you know, potentially a whole extra year for these kids, the recruiting class or these young quarterbacks to really learn the system. Um, but just jumping back, let's let's close our eyes and imagine, jump back to when you're 17, 18, 19. Um, what do you tell yourself differently? Like what, what piece of advice could you give yourself, whether it's, you know, be in the film room more or take school more seriously or maybe even take school less seriously to make, you know, your university and football career uh, that much better? I think... Um... I always looked at it as such a grind, you know, I didn't kind of step back and enjoy some of the moments that I wish that I, I could have it, only in my fifth year. I kind of did that, you know, I, in my head vividly, I remember um, my last touchdown pass was homecoming to Anto Antonio Valdano at fullback. And I remember just looking at the crowd because I was kind of going through some, you know, injury health things kind of at the start of the season and just being able to, to play and then when I threw it, you know, it was in the second quarter and the whole stadium was there and just to see the crowd and just the celebration and the moment of like you, you, you've worked so hard. And I, in my brain it was like, okay, if I dressed one game, I would have accomplished every single thing I set up to. But now it's like, wow, now you, you get these kind of little moments where you kind of can sit back and go, that was really, really neat just to sit there and watch it kind of unfold. And I wish that I had done that a little bit more and just kind of gotten to know my teammates a little bit more when I was at Western. I was so business-like, like I just, I attacked it every day. And I always felt like it was, it was tough because there are guys that they like football, but they didn't necessarily love football and it wasn't a slight on them, but they just viewed it as sort of um, a way that, you know, they could kind of go through school and enjoy kind of the, you know, football lifestyle that they made, they were in it for the, their own reasons. Um, and I wish that I had taken the time to kind of get to know some of those guys a little bit better and kind of develop those relationships a little bit more than I did. I think that's probably the one thing that I was so serious. I still am. I'm very, very <laughs> business-like. It's tough to kind of like 
sometimes I'm always like, hey, you got to enjoy that and crack a smile. I mean, I actually just played golf with Coach Sharia earlier. He's saying, hey, like, you know, you, you missed that, you know, par putt on the par five. You know, you got to just calm down a little bit, right? So I think that's probably the one thing um, I, would, I would do a little bit better is just kind of enjoy those small moments and with my teammates. I mean, I think that's a really, I think that's a really meaningful thing for you to say because at least I can resonate with a lot of those things that you mentioned with, and just the anxiety of going to a film room after a practice, knowing, oh my god, I know there's going to be that one player or those five or those ten plays that I just don't want to see come up, and yeah. you're going through, oh, what's going to happen, and then yet just realizing that, well, I'm first of all, I'm not going to die. Like I'm not gonna no physical harm is actually gonna come to me from yeah. you know being you know maybe embarrassed or chewed out a little bit. I don't That's know, man. I don't know, man. You were you were in Greg Marshall's film room for some of those. <laughs> things. Marshall, you know, fair had, enough. <laughs> we had I have some stories for you guys, and you, I mean, we had stuff where it'd be uh, you know you have to we do a blitz pickup period. You'd have to complete a pass or you're out. If you keep completing them, you stay in. But it'd be like against the first team defense, and this is like Chris, this is Will and I, and then also Chris and I. We would we'd be doing something in, in warm up that wasn't great or walk through. I love how they call it walk through because we used to split before the like the receivers would be running. We'd be running like jet sweeps and they'd be hauling. They you know, Cole Majoros would be running those over and over. Shaq Johnson, I'm going. They haven't even stretched yet. But I mean, that was kind of the the, the funny part. Yeah, I mean, he would it would be you'd have to complete a pass and you stay in. Now you know you'd hit a receiver and he'd drop it or something. Well, you're out. You didn't hit like it'd be perfect, you know. And then the guy would make like an acrobatic Odell Beckham catch over the shoulder. Oh, but you stay in. And so it, you know, it mentally get to your mind a little bit. And we, we even had one quarter against Guelph in 2016 where Chris and I switched every play because he was mad at us, so he wanted us to like run in and out of the huddle just to get winded. <laughs> so. Like- it was like, like one series where it was like, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. And I don't think he meant to do it on purpose. It just was like the way that it was happening where if you had an incomplete pass, you know. But like, uh, the old, like the old high school offense where you get the, the receivers to switch out to bring in the new play each time. Yeah, it was a different quarterback. And it, it, we'd be like on the 10, you know, and he'd be standing way back. And then, you know, he'd be like, oh, I see Chris jogging out, so you got to jog back. And then he'd be, oh, listen, we're going to go to this other package. You're going back in because you know this play better than he does. So then you'd be out. And then, you know, Chris would be coming back in. It was like six or seven plays in a row or something. And Chris and I are looking at each other. And yeah, I'm just like, this is nuts, you know. Like it was, was that- it was a lot of fun, and I, I always liked playing because you know I it was uh, it was good to get in there. I, you know, I never kind of took it for granted, but uh, but yeah, you know, I, I sat there and always thought, man, like, this is tough. Like this is demanding. You know, it'd be. I think even my first one of my first games, I was like eight of ten or something, and I got pulled out of the game because I you know I missed one read or a throw. And, you know, you talk to me for a series, and then you're back in. But it was good because it's so demanding, and that's that's kind of what I liked, you know. It, I look back on it now, and I enjoyed it. But you know, then it's definitely it, 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 mentally it's tough. It's very hard, and Dakota knows that too because I mean he would get on everybody, you name it, well, trainers, I mean, water boys. See, I don't know because Stevenson, your first year was 2012, right? Yeah. So I mean, yep. apparently, so my first year, just a, a quick story. Um, coming from my high school, our high school was garbage. We didn't do anything, so I didn't know. Uh, that when you're just like a scout body, 
um, like when we were doing walkthroughs, you weren't supposed to touch the ball. Um, so Donnie Marshall threw a, it must have been a seam or a fade to Brian Marshall. And I'm just staying there at safety. I'm like, oh, the ball's there. I'm just going to intercept it. And like, I'll be this freshman that just picked off the coach's son. And I did that. And Brian Marshall walks over and he's like, the fuck are you doing? You're not supposed to touch the fucking ball. And like, I didn't, I had no idea. But apparently like they were like the guys, first of all, G Marsh, when he, when he showed it in film, he's like, Dakota, it's like, if you do that shit again, you might go to the defensive room. And I was like, ah, okay. But apparently like I was still getting... <laughs> chirp the next year like it was still a story that was circulating with the boys next year yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that uh, there's a lot of that going on it was uh it, it's funny because we had such a it was before this this oua rule which i like and i don't like to kind of get like political i, I like the fact that it is capped now that you know i'm, I'm kind of i kind of see what the budget situation is and you know what our training camp needs are and then actually you know, the kids are in it for the right reasons. But back when we played, it was his whole mentality. You know, I, I think I, this isn't kind of, you know, from him, but I think it was that development where we were talking about before is that you can't tell when a kid's 18, what's he going to look like at 20. So you would just try to keep bodies and, and have them work out and, and do all that kind of thing so that they would develop and then be those kind of hidden gem kind of guys. And so there's a little bit of merit to what Dakota's saying because there's definitely some guys that would sit there and be on scout team for two, three seasons on offense and do nothing and switch to defense and then be very good or start. You know, Josh Woodman, Christian Collier. I mean, Josh Woodman is a CFL free safety. He's played there. He, he was on scout team receiver for three years playing Z, you know, wide side field, catching maybe, you know, one ball in practice. And now he's in the CFL. I mean, so it, there's a little bit of merit to both where you sit there and you go, you have to kind of be a little bit more organized as a coaching staff with 110 versus the old way where you can kind of just let the team kind of form the way that they, it needs to form. Um, which is, you know, I, I really like that about, um, about Guelph just to kind of say that our, our coaching staff doesn't, I think an excellent job of trying to pick where the kids are going to end up and they're, right spots and then they're very i think uh quick to kind of change where the or, or, or quick to adapt you know w where the needs are and then kind of where can that kid kind of fit and where's his plan and we meet on each individual kid which I, i'm not sure I, I can't speak to what whether that happened or, or didn't happen there but i just know that it's really neat i think for these kids that, that are in our program anyway no no definitely why well, uh, yeah sorry zach um but just just one thing I want to talk about, like players and coaching staff aside, since you're the only one that's really touched base on on both uh, campuses, what's the difference like for you know the facilities? Because I mean, Western's such a storied history, but we can't we can't sit here and pretend that our you know above varsity stadium weight room is the best. It's the best probably it can be, but I mean, we're looking at Guelph. I mean, I hear you have a, a new weight room coming in, but also just the pavilion as a whole is fantastic. Let's be real. It's uh, it's state of the art, Dakota. Honestly, um, I've seen. I've been. You know, we even had a meeting last week on some of the designs. Um, you know, kind of the new weight room that's going to be going in. Uh, they just put up the blue fencing to start actually the construction this week. Um, it's going to be an unbelievable space. And then also, what they're going to be doing is uh, they're going to be putting up, um, you know, projectors in the thing so we can kind of do like live walkthroughs and see looks from DB Sport. So that's going to be kind of a neat thing uh, feature where we'll be able to kind of watch film in the weight room space as well. Um, so it's a really neat project. I'm really happy to be involved in it. You know, I think 
if you looked at uh, the stadium at, at Western, I mean, it's a great location. Um, the the weight room is is good. Yeah, you know, like what you said. It, at the time, I think it was state of the art. Now you're right; it's 20, 22, three years old. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited, kind of to to see you know where we're going to kind of head here at Guelph, um, because I'm I know our kids are super excited to see it, and we've kind of had a little bit of the unveiling to certain uh, recruits and and kids on our current team in terms of the uh, in terms of like the the floor plans and stuff. Like you can see the the uh the powerpoints of what it's going to kind of look like but at the same time it, it's always different right when you see like the visual rendition versus yeah. kind of the finished product so i know that we're really really looking forward to that it's going to be uh, they're also going to put a little bit of turf in there too so we'll be able to do some skill development for offensive line and then kind of have like a 40 yard dash you know, turf in the indoor facility so guys can kind of work on on sprinting and things like that and then obviously like right in the end zone, there's this massive indoor field house, which we use all the time. And we do our actual workouts around the track um, and, and on the field in the mornings, every morning, kind of the kids are there at either six o'clock or like six forty-five, based on the position in the day. And then they'll kind of do it until eight, you know, eight fifteen in the morning and then shall go back to the facility, get treatment, go in the hot tub, go in the cold tub and then go to class and so that's a really kind of neat way that we didn't necessarily have when I was a player anywhere where they can get, first of all, they can get training done in the morning before school and then also kind of get treatment at this facility and then also hit the hot tub and cold tub and see all their teammates every single day together, which when I played and, and you would know this, the weight room times were always very scattered across the day. It was sort of like kind of going when you can. Um, but in the off season, it's a really neat tool to be able to have our team together pretty much every day of the week. So they're always interacting. And that's, a, I think, a big thing that Coach Shane's kind of putting forward. Uh, you know, it's, you see it on my shirt, trying to become a, a little bit more of a family and, and uh, kind of caring about one another a little bit more. Well, I remember a couple of years back, maybe in 2017, speaking with Bill Brown uh, during training camp at Guelph and talking about from the the uh, the pavilion to the, them projecting into the new weight room, just everything they're doing there, and he really wanted to hammer home the point of just having an environment around the stadium that just the kids are just, the players are just going to be there and be there together and just forming that camaraderie. Whether it's things that seemingly as simple as having the the lounge room where they can play video games, all these kids can go yeah. home and play video games. But you create that environment where, well, you know what, you might as well stick around and hang out with with the guys that you're going to war with anyways, or doing the treatment, doing the workouts, all those types of things, as you said, just having them together. And I, I don't think anyone who's played this game would deny that that pays dividends when you create that bond off the field. And I think everyone's had teammates that you don't necessarily get along with off the field, but <laughs> yeah. you can play with on the field. But definitely when you can get along with them off the field, it just creates that, you know, that relationship where I'm going to battle with this guy and I will put my body on the line to be able to, you know, to help him achieve what he wants, which is what I want to achieve. And it, as right. you said, it's, it's, about it's all about family. Yeah, it's about trust. And, yeah. and you know, we've, the little side note, we have cut back on the video gaming in the, the, the <laughs> little bit. You have to have kind of over an 80 to kind of be on the video games. If you're not, Ooh. you're upstairs in the, the meeting rooms getting either a tutor or something like that. So we have changed that, I think, a little bit since we, we've kind of come in. 
I, I know that they, they do have, but they do have tournaments, which is neat. So they have Madden tournaments and they have NHL tournaments and things like that. So I know that they look forward to that, which is good. And, you know, we have all, they have foosball in there and stuff. So it's, it's definitely does get competitive, which the guys do enjoy. But uh, now we've added that little academic component to the video games. And uh, it's amazing how many people are motivated to play video games. Facility, let's just say that. It's, oh that's amazing it's crazy how far we've come because i remember it must have been like 2014 or something just how excited the team was when western got like a ping pong table like that that was yeah. the big thing after saturday lifts is like you'd get your shake and then you know wait your turn to i mean stevenson you were usually on it whooping some people's ass so at least <laughs> from what from what i remember yeah, that's 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 definitely if i was not on the uh the football team i would have been on the table tennis team no question and there is one at at my alma mater so yeah that's probably one of the most competitive you know things i like doing actually it's funny you say that because those those would get heated you get <laughs> offensive linemen defensive backs in there it was uh, it was good i'm sure they still do that and they should it, it's a really good way for for any kind of program to just kind of create a little bit of a bond we had a meeting last night a little bit uh with some of our so our players um, just all meeting and that same thing. How can we organize things? You know, how can they organize things? Not us, but how can they organize things just themselves in this weird new kind of COVID era, right? With, uh, you know, online tournaments and matted and anything like that, right? Just any type of team bonding where you can kind of get together and, and, uh, and share some laughs. Oh, definitely. Um, so this, this will probably be my last uh, question and probably the most sure. important one for me. Um, I mean, and not to say that you're, you're lucky. Cause I mean, you, you busted your ass, you know, all the way through high school and university and CJEP. Um, but you know, a lot of kids, um, will go through football and maybe not make the, the connections that you did, um, and not have the opportunity afterwards. So, you know, when football ends, there's this giant hole of nothing, you know, they spent their last 90% of their week in film or in the weight room or in practice, or, you know, even with the boys. And now it's kind of like, they're not thrown aside so much as they are like they don't really have uh you know that strict path they have to go on um what do you think that they're like not even necessarily advice for the kids but what do you think is there something that the school can do i mean we had jimmy on a couple days ago and he said maybe like a a mentorship program for guys that used to go to the school to kind of be like this is what life is like because i mean whether it's injury or you're not as good as you thought you were, or even if you go pro, I mean, football ends and it ends a lot earlier than the rest of your life. I mean, you know, if you're lucky, if you're lucky enough, you might play until your early thirties in the CFL. And then you ha- hopefully, I mean, if you stay healthy and didn't get a lot of concussions, you got another 60 years of your life. Um, like what, what can schools or even like, just the football program itself do to help transition kids out from this strict regimen of football to, you know, I don't want to say normal life, but normal normal life yeah it's definitely a sport that you can't do um you know past a certain age it, it sucks you know i my mom always told me you should play golf or tennis because you can do those your whole life and i always was like yeah right so, you know i'm gonna do this like this is great and then she's right it does end um there's a finality of it that that does suck and everyone has to go through it you know i think that um schools could do a couple things one you know and, and you're right um they already kind of start doing that now. And, and we do this a little bit where we try to pick alumni that maybe are in a kid's field and we try to link them together, whether that be at alumni golf tournament, you know, after a game, things like that, because 
it, it's surprising because so many alumni want to get involved. They just don't know how. And a lot of times I feel like schools will just be like, okay, well, we'd love to check, which is, which is totally important. By no ends or means am I saying that they shouldn't give money because it does help. You know, every school needs it. Um, but there's ways other than just giving a check. Uh, just the connections in the kids' field that I think that schools across the OUA could do a better job at. You know, we have this thing right now at Guelph where we kind of try to hook up um, alumni with guys that are going to go in the same field, you know, and, and that's kind of a nice tool where kids can sit there and kind of go through that. You know, it's awkward, no question, because you don't know these guys. You never played with them. You don't really know them. But there's a, that fraternity of, okay, well, you're a Griffin, I was a Griffin. So I think that's changed a little bit. Um, and, and you're right, Dakota. I think it's definitely tough once you're done. You know, working at the CFL was actually hard for me because I wasn't watching film. I wasn't training. And I'm around the sport that I'm missing the most every single day. So, you know, it's really tough where you're sitting there going, I man, I wish I was still back playing. Uh, a year ago today, it was homecoming or it was this Halloween game or, you know, whatever. Now it's okay. Well, you got to show up to work. You know, it's usually when you finish, you're not making a lot of money, which is tough, right? So it's it's definitely hard, I think, for kids to kind of figure out what they want to do after. I, I, so I would say that's probably the biggest thing. If schools could sit there and try to create an alumni group where they would link people that played in their field um, to things like that. And then also trying to teach the kids that it's up to them to go out and make connections when they go to events that involve the team, whether that's the alumni golf tournament, you know, whether that's the gala dinner, whether that's the any type of banquet dinner, it's a little bit on the kids, but it's on the program to teach the kids to go do that, if that makes sense. So it's a little bit of both worlds. I think um, some of the best connections I got to make were just going to our football banquet and trying to meet the, um, the guest of honor, you know, the, the guy that, uh, you know, would be at the dinner that, you know, he's not at every single season dinner and you just go up and you introduce yourself. And it's sometimes as simple as that. I mean, it really is that simple. Sometimes um, that's kind of how I got in with the Toronto Argonauts. It was, you know, Michael Copeland was the former president there. That's I met him at a banquet. You know, and so that's just a little bit of um, you have to try to go out of your comfort zone to make those connections and be confident in yourself. And that's what I would kind of tell people making that transition socially um, and kind of professionally, I would say uh, more than socially, but professionally into that next next level. And then physically, it's really tough. And I even <laughs> dealt with it where you're literally eating as much as you can all the time because you're trying to get those calories to stay you know, your weight that you want to be. And then boom, just like that, you're not lifting, but you still want to eat the same. And so like, I even went through that, you know, you, you play at 185 and then you're, Oh my goodness, I'm 200. And then it's okay. Let's, you know, bring it back down a little bit. So <laughs> I feel like it's good to be active. You know, I, I like golfing. Um, I, I think trying to find a sport that you can are decent at and you can sort of be competitive. Uh, Coach Saria and I play squash quite a bit, so does Coach Donovan Carter. So doing that kind of is a, a, a unique way to kind of like, they're all competitive athletes. You know, Coach Saria won a Banyan Cup. Coach Donovan Carter was like a three or four, uh, I think a two-time All-Star in the CFL. 
and you sit there and go, that, that competitiveness is still in them big time. And so how can we like channel that into something that's going to help us, you know, physically, and then also kind of get that competitive juices out. And so I would say those kind of three things finding another hobby or something like that is, is pretty important. You know, for me, it's squash, tennis, and golf. I mean, and I'm, I'm no, I was no good at those sports in university. So I, I would challenge kids that are graduating to try to take up any of those type of like hobby sports and things like that. No, I, I definitely agree. Just, just my last point. I don't know if you can tell, but Zach used to be an offensive lineman. And I mean, he, I feel like he had the opposite, yeah. opposite off season weight effect where he, <laughs> he lost all the weight that we, we may have gained. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I feel like you go and you hit this, not this wall, but I feel like when you hit 25, it, it definitely, your metabolism changes a little bit. Stop. And people always told yeah, and people always told me that, yeah, well, even our equipment manager uh, back in the day, you know, I was getting all my shirts, medium, he's like, you sure you don't want an XL? Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, like, I just want a medium, man, like, uh, or, you know, or large. You know, yeah, exactly. And, and well, okay, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's funny because even the offensive linemen that I used to play with, I'll want your clothes now because it doesn't, like, they, you know, Zach, he, yeah. they'd be texting me saying, hey, you got any uh, larges and stuff like that hanging around. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I even think of Dakota, a guy that I can sit there and think, two of them, Alex Karowski oh, yeah. and Kane McHugh. Alex Karowski was CCH offensive lineman all-star you know had a michigan state was recruiting him never really got to play at western because of some unfortunate knee injuries but he was 300 pounds and now he would be six five i mean six five blonde hair blue-eyed kid and he's probably 180 pounds and he rides his bike like 50 kilometers a day you know he's like went into all that stuff and you'd sit there and look at his pictures on facebook of what he used to look like and then what he looks like now and you'd go <laughs> That's just not the same guy. I mean, Kane McHugh and even my fifth year, he dropped a hundred pounds and played fullback. You know, like it was, it was incredible. He was the starting guard in 2015, 2016. He was lost a hundred pounds and playing fullback. So yeah, I, I, I have mad respect for the offensive linemen. And I even tell our quarterbacks now and all, and even the running backs and all the skill guys and say, listen, the offensive linemen are going through university the best time in their life, okay? And they have to gain weight to help you look good. <laughs> so they're going they're not only sacrificing their bodies in the trenches, they're sacrificing their body socially, okay? <laughs> so like you know, it's one of those things you, 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 everyone looks more attractive when they're in good shape. I mean, that's not a bad thing to say. So, um, you know, I, I always kind of had respect for those guys because I'm going, man, that'd be tough. You know, you'd sit there and you'd probably be normally, a, you know, a, a decent weight or a good weight. And then now you're just eating anything you can find just to, you know, be over 300 pounds and, and play offensive line. So the mad respect to those guys and even the, the former guys that I got, got to play with. Well, you're clearly a very smart quarterback for giving the love to offensive linemen even all these years <laughs> right. after your playing days. And yes, I may take you up on any large clothing that you have because all my right. XL and double XL clothing, I can't even wear these days. I have, so, some Griffin, I have a Griffin Polo shirt, large. It's I got your name we'll on send, it. We'll send you some uh, we'll 55 that merch. <laughs> That's right. I, I, want a, I want one of the hats for the uh, for the case or something or a, or a signed ball. You know, a Dakota... 
signed football. That'd be- <laughs> that might devalue it a little bit, but we'll see what we can do. That's right. And if, no, if I you have, would, yeah. yeyeah, no, I'm just saying I, I love listening to you guys. I think what you're doing is great for the OUA, and I'm really happy that we kind of got to do this. I think it's it's, uh, it's always great that you guys can promote the game and keep doing what you're doing because I know that even the people that don't sit there and maybe like all the posts, and there's still a lot of views. So don't uh, don't quit anytime soon. Keep keep it up, even in your pandemic year where we're, there's no football. I appreciate that. Definitely. And hey, if you have any if you have any play, if you have any players that you know are looking to go into making their own podcast covering OUA, you send them to us then. Okay. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I can be your I can be your guest coach. <laughs> All right, Stevenson. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, giving us a little insight into your life after football. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Eh? Thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate you guys having me.